epidemic happening in our homes? I don't really understand because it's like one of those things where like our cats are normally like pretty healthy and it was like suddenly just an influx of vet visits. My cat had to unexpectedly get surgery. Yes, that was disconcerting. Was she very loopy? Was it hilarious? It wasn't hilarious. Um, I don't know if you remember after you got yours like fixed, but uh, she was like not lucid at all and just like slept and was like really paranoid. It was kind of like she had done like cat acid. Well, mine had their like teeth cleaned kind of recently. And I think the loopiness is a little funny, but it was a little sad also because I think there is that sort of aggressiveness factor or paranoia factor because it felt like they, they're siblings. It felt like they didn't remember each other. Oh, really? <laughs> and they were like, Wah! and I was like, okay, guys, chill. Oh, no. I mean, they're fine now. (laughs) It was just, like, right after, and I was like, this is weird. I was, like, hearing growling, which is, like, not a normal cat sound. Were they hissing at each other? Sometimes, yeah. Not, like, fighting, but, like, circling, like, who is a stranger in my home? And you're like, okay. Yeah, I'm not... I wasn't so excited about her being on the anesthesia, because I've never... She hasn't had any major surgery um, since, like, I've been in her life. So, like, Alex was like, oh, this is normal, but I was like, why is she sleeping so much? Like, this is really weird for her. Like, she was like, like, there were several times where I, so she came home from surgery and immediately went underneath the covers on the bed and was just out for, like, a good, I don't know, like, I would say, like, 36 hours. Like, she slept. Oh, weird. That is weird. So she, apparently that's, like, really normal. So she, like, crawled underneath and was just, like, wedged underneath the covers. If you lifted the blanket, she, like, wouldn't come out. Like, she was, like, really, like, skittish and everything. It was really unlike her. And, um, and there were several times where I, like, had to, like, poke her to make sure she was alive. Because I was like, oh my god, what if she suddenly stops breathing? Like, normal, normal, not paranoid stuff. Anyway, she's, she's much improved now. Like, she went back to being normal, like, within a day, but still. Yeah, I was a little like, oh no, what, what if they're like this forever? But they're fine. So, shall we start? Yes, I feel like that wasn't interesting, but it's fine. Um, welcome to Rom-Comathon. I'm Kat. And I'm Alex. And today we are talking about the third installment of the Christmas Prince universe, Royal Baby. Which was... A journey. Uh-huh. I I was actually pretty surprised as to the direction the film took. That is accurate. I got very nervous because I opened Netflix and saw some people of color featured, and that made me very nervous. Oh, you were concerned about, like, what was going to happen? Uh-huh. Because... I saw okay. people of color in what appeared to be, like, potentially somewhat foreign clothing, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And I will say that it was not as bad as I feared. I kind of thought it wouldn't be because... It's Netflix. They, it's Netflix, and it's 2019, and they're, like, pretty good, like, about trying to be... I don't know, like, nodding to, like, inclusivity and stuff like that. This isn't, like, a general, like, hallmark situation. So I was like, okay, like, I feel like so. But I, too, was waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. (laughs) Why don't you tell us the plot? Sure. So, once again, we are now back with the uh, now queen of Aldovia, Rose MacGyver, and her husband, King Ben Lamb. 
Um, they've been happily married for a year, growing the Aldovian economy. Everything is great. Rose McIver is suddenly dressed like an elderly matron, and she is also, like, pregnant. She got pregnant in, like, a hot second after the wedding, and they were like, this is fine. We're just going to toss our birth control out. It's cool. We're just going to have babies now. Um, the baby is due January 11th, but lol, if you think the baby is going to be born in January and not on Christmas, this is the Christmas cult. Who, what do you think? But right before their all-important holy holiday, um, there is important state business to attend to. They have a neighboring country of, well, they said Panglia, but I said Penguin because that's, that's what it's out like. I just started to call it China. It's fake China. <laughs> It's so clearly China. But like tiny fake China? Yes, because it apparently doesn't have an army and it's Aldovia's close ally. Yes. It's literally like next to Aldovia, separated by, I think, Belgravia, which is the fictional country in The Princess Witch. But we'll get back to that. Uh, so basically Panglia and Aldovia have to re-sign a peace treaty that they, that they've had for like hundreds of years. They have to sign it every hundred years or they'll have to go back to war? Like, it's extremely questionable what the point of this treaty is, um, aside from being symbolic. Because they keep worrying that if they don't sign it, they'll go back to war. And I'm like, but you know, you have the power to not be at war. Indeed. So Rose MacGyver wants her and the Panglian queen to be able to sign this treaty um, and involve the queens for the first time ever. And the other queen is like, nah, like not so much. I'm not really into this. She's very traditional. Fake China is very traditional. Yep. Anyway, uh, the treaty disappears. Gasp. And it expires on Christmas Eve, naturally, and shenanigans ensue. So this is when everyone is like, oh no, what if we go back to war? And I'm like, but you could just like not. Um, Princess Emily manages to convince a really stupidly gullible Rose MacGyver that if also if the treaty is inside, her baby will be cursed. Like suddenly we just all believe in magic. Like, I don't really know. Um, Eventually they obviously find the treaty. Uh, the culprit was one of their, like, advisor people. Um, he had some sort of, like, family grudge against the Penguin. Honestly, I wasn't really paying that much attention at this point, so I was just like, ah, grudge, sure. Um, and Rose MacGyver, meanwhile, goes into labor. Um, she has a baby girl who they name Ellery after her dead mom, bearing the question of what kind of name is Ellery. And the treaty is signed before Christmas by both queens, averting war. The end. Um, here are some predictions that I felt proud of us for. One is for guessing that the child would be named after a dead parent. Well, you said dead parent. I thought the baby was going to be named like Noel or like Noel or something to do horrible to do without Christmas cult. Um, and the other thing is that there was kind of a subplot where you thought that the thief of the treaty was Cousin Simon. Yes. The villain from the first movie. And you were like, is Simon evil again? And Simon is now like kind of dating Rose McIver's friend, a terrible actor, by the way. And I was like, I think that she is going to marry Simon like the second they appeared. And I was like, oh, and indeed they got engaged at the end of this film. Oh, yes. I also was like, yes, they will be wed. Like when Simon... so. I completely forgot about the Cousin Simon subplot. Like, I was just like, oh, who cares? 
Um, my eyes glazed over. So, yes, yeah, so this whole thing is that with this movie, like, like the treaties got missing, and for some reason, even though Simon has ostensibly been in the picture for the last goddamn year, and even though he saved Aldovia from economic ruin last Christmas, Ben Lamb and Rose McIver are still like, is Simon evil? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, I don't really know why this question hasn't popped up within the last year. Like, have you guys not sat down and talked about it? Like, it just seems really weird. And so they're, and so when like things like are happening, they're like, it could be him again. We suspect him. And obviously it's not him. He's, he's sneaking around because he's trying to propose to Rose McIver's friend. Second part of this is that this friend shows up for Christmas because Simon is like, I invited her. And Rose McIver is like, I didn't know things were this serious with Simon. And I'm like, girl, have you guys not talked in the last year? Because it seemed like they had gotten together last film. So this is just the natural progression of things in a Christmas Prince universe. Have you two not spoken? Have you been too busy becoming queen? Like, what's the deal? I really feel like in Aldovia, they save all important events and revelations for Christmas. Like, the treaty was signed on Christmas Eve, the baby's gonna be born on Christmas Eve, they have to be married on Christmas Eve. You know, they just, in this country, if anyone is like, oh, I still want to tell you something, it's like, no, 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 wait for Christmas. You couldn't possibly tell me anything meaningful in March. Yeah, that might be true. Like, maybe her friend was like, hey, like, about Simon, like, you know, maybe you saw some sparks between us. And then Rose McIver was like, nah, we can't talk about this until at least mid-December. Exactly. Hold your news. I'm in hibernation until the holiday season. Someone had to twist her arm to announce the baby. (laughs) So, so many things... There are several consequences to this treaty not being re-signed, but, like, one of them doesn't even get mentioned until you're, like, an hour into the film. Like, right away, they're like, we're gonna go back to war. And then they're like, oh, the royal fetus might be cursed. And then, way later, they're like, also, we might owe fake China a billion dollars. Yes, that was weird. And I forgot to mention that in my synopsis because they played it off like NBD, this is fine. Where I was like, I feel like this is the only, this is definitely the only real consequence of literally anything about this treaty that is entirely symbolic. But also like you have all the monarchs in a room, like you guys could just make a new treaty or a new agreement of some kind. Like I don't even understand. But also... King Richard is the worst king. He is like (laughs) barely interested (laughs) in what is happening with the treaty. Rose McIver's like staying up nights reading the like lineage lines or whatever because she still considers herself a journalist, by the way. Yeah, that's like she is still writing like the royal family blog or whatever, which I was like at this point, I'm like, this is just like fancy PR for you, right? Like whatever. But it is weird that she's like, I'm still a journalist at heart. I'm like, girl, you got to give this up. You've clearly taken on Queen Elizabeth's like, like outfits. Yes, (laughs) outfit situation. I was like, what is the deal here? Like, you don't even look like Kate or Meghan Markle. You literally look like... A grandma. <laughs> I was like, her clothes have really changed. <laughs> um, 
I feel like they missed some great opportunities. One, musically, it really seemed like the treaty was stolen by the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> um, two, they passed up the opportunity to make an Agatha Christie type reference because it was like, everyone's in the room, like it was someone here. But they just, they didn't follow through and I was sad. Do you have that on the mind because you recently saw Knives Out? Yes. I would have loved it if this had turned into some sort of, like, whodunit caper. Indeed. Um, listeners, for any of you who followed the blog, I did not enjoy Knives Out. I mean, I thought it was a great movie, but it was a very painful watch. There was so much vomit. Anyway, Panglia is a terrible country name. Yeah, really bad. I would love to know, like, the the writer thought process behind that. Like, they must have gone through many horrible, fake country names, and for some reason they were like, Penguin, this is where we're gonna go with. <laughs> Because Aldovia is a decent fake country name. Yes, Belgravia. A decent fake country name. So I will be calling it Fake China for the rest of this podcast. I can't even call it Fake China, though, because it's so tiny. <laughs> but Silk Road, Mellow Flute Instrumentals. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, they were like, let us play some like Oriental-ish music behind this. Um, here are some quibbles. The highly traditional queen of this fake Chinese country has named her children Harry, Vivian, and Amanda. Very Asian. I must commend her. But very confusing because they're not like Penglian American. Like, why would mom and dad have fake Chinese names and the children have English names? Maybe they have anglicized names, but they also have Penguin names. But why would she call them by their anglicized names slash speak English to them on the phone when they're clearly like signing vertically on the treaty like it's a long time ago? Who, look, man, who knows? I think the Asianness of Vivian honestly probably transcends cultures. <laughs> I was like, that's very odd. And then I was like, well, Vivian's not. I don't know if the other two are that Asian. Vivian at this point is just a Chinese name. Like it's a traditional Chinese name. <laughs> But, like, her siblings should be Kevin and Lily. Yeah, no, 100%. Anyway, I was very nervous that the people of color were going to be villains. And to be honest, I kind of preferred the, like, fake Chinese attache who had gone to Oxford with Simon to Rose McIver's friend, who was such a bad actor. When you first said, by the way, that Rose McIver's friend, who is a bad actor, I only could tell from context who you were talking about, because the other one, the gay one who shows up later, is also a really bad actor. So I was like, I just don't know which one. There was so much bad acting. In fact, some of these people have done other work in which I think they're probably fine. So I don't know why everyone's chosen to be such a bad actor in this film. Well, we all know they're all phoning it in real hard. Who do you think is the best actor in the Christmas Prince series? Oh, God. I was like, um, maybe the queen? Yeah, the queen might be okay. I feel like the actor who plays her dad actually is having a really good time. Uh-huh, yeah. He's making an effort to be as annoying as possible. Yeah, thank God he was only in like three minutes of this. I know, I was really not looking forward to how over the top he was going to be, but then he wasn't there very much. Um, uh, no, go on. No, just, I was just thinking about how much I hate Princess Emily. 
I was thinking about how Princess Emily got dumber because last movie she was good at hacking and this movie she believes in ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) But like, Princess Emily (laughs) and Amber at least care about the mystery. Richard's like literally falling asleep while Amber's reading about the curse and she doesn't even let her get to the end of the page. Yeah, that's true. Richard is like, I'm preoccupied with building the baby's crib. Which, by the way, he could outsource. But no, no, maybe he couldn't, because this is the most understaffed palace. (laughs) Yes, you are not wrong, madam. There is no security. There's a total of, like, three servants. And they just follow the royals around. So, like, it's not surprising that none of them would have the opportunity to leave to build the crib. Yeah, it, it was, every time I watch one of these films, I'm like, why are there not other servants? And there seems to be, like, there's a prime minister, but there seems to be hardly any, like, cabinet or economic panel of any kind, because Simon and his Oxford friend are off making economic plans behind people's backs and making his girlfriend suspicious because they're literally, like, crumpling up villain-seeming papers and throwing them away on the floor. One of my favorite things in films is, and, and this happened because I was watching something unrelated yesterday, right? And I'm like, I just don't really understand in TV and films when someone is doing something obviously shady. Like, either, like, someone thinks they're going to assassinate someone because they're, like, running through the crowd with a hood up, you know? Or they're, like, like Simon, like, crumply shady pieces of paper up and just behaving all around like a not upstanding person and then when they're like caught they're like but this was totally innocent like the person running through the crowd was like i just wanted to get an autograph and simon was like i was planning a proposal slash making economic policy for the good of the country and you're like well maybe behave less shittily next time yes he's like nothing about this was suspicious okay but like it was it was very suspicious yeah it's really weird Um, but can I just, back to their total lack of staff. Literally, the queen and the princess go down to the dungeon to look for the ghost. Why did they bring no one else? Because they're extremely understaffed. And also, like, at one point they're out, you know, ice skating or whatever. I'm like, it would be so easy to assassinate both kings right now and throw both of these countries into disarray. Oh, yes. When they are, yeah, they go for, like, a walk through, like, a Christmas market in the middle of Adobia with, like, no security at all. Pretty sure, by the way, that it is the same Christmas market that is, like, the fair for Night Before Christmas. Oh, you are not wrong. I I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) I was like, my Christmas markets across the world are very similar. But maybe, like, they're free to, like, just walk around these Christmas markets because, like, no one gives a shit. Aldovia seems to be a country that is, like, the size of Singapore. But then I looked, I saw the fictional map, and that is not true. I must say, though, that to their credit, there were more people of color in Aldovia this time than last time. Oh, yes. um, Rose McIver's uh, OBGYN is black, which I was like, oh, my God, it's another black person who's not her friend from New York. Indeed, and I previously thought there were, like, almost no people of color in the population of this country, but there were several more this time, although there were a bunch of Asian reporters that I was like, I think they shipped these people from Panglia. 
Yeah, no, I was like, I don't know if these people are. Uh, I think they maybe, they migrated from Banglia. But why would they migrate from Panglia? I just don't think situation Aldovia is very good. I mean, like, we've spent two movies basically, like, shitting on the Aldovian economy. No, the economy is booming now, though. Or now. not booming, but, like, they've brought it up to, they've, they've improved it very quickly in the last, like, year. They borrowed billions from Banglia. Why would anyone migrate from Banglia for this piece of shit? Well, I don't know. We're terribly in debt, and yet people continue to come here. That's true. But but they, we literally borrowed the money from Panglia. I know. I know. Um. Oh, another prediction that I was pleased with myself for is for being like, Richard's going to get the horse. He's going to get the horse to go rescue the doctor in the snowstorm. When Rose McIver goes into labor, like, they're, like, snowbound at the castle. I don't know. In this country full of snow, you think they would have figured out some contingency plans for the royals, but they have not. And, like, Rose McIver's OBGYN is, like, rushing to the hospital, but then her car, like, gets into it. It's, like, slides off the road and goes into a snowbank, and she calls and is like, oh, no, I'm, like, stuck here. And Richard is like, stay there. I'll come get you. Number one, should not someone else go? (laughs) Yes. He is A, the king, and B, the father of the baby. And instead, he's just like, I'm just going to saddle up a horse and go get the doctor who could be freaking anywhere. But luckily, the country is the size of a postage stamp. Yeah, so he's able to be like, oh, you're on that road? Stay there. Well, where else is she going to go, dude? But like, (laughs) Also, what was this Aldovian doctor thinking taking Christmas off? Yes, I mean, she should know by now that Christmas is literally when everything happens the royal obgyn should be living in the palace i think yeah and also even like january 11th that's not long from now like rose mciver is basically full term she is definitely within the window of when it's like totally reasonable birth. to have a baby like that's not a preemie also literally though when that baby comes out you're like this kid's like two months old oh yeah no alex <laughs> was like this baby is so big and so old <laughs> And then, it was cute it was a it cute w- baby yes but you can tell by its cuteness that it is not anywhere near newborn look man <laughs> like that is a turkey sized baby that was like, supposedly just born look we always have these qualms with tv and films and i must say like who out there is like yeah i just had a baby a week ago it can be in a movie <laughs> Oh, no, I know. They're always a few weeks, but that's why, like, often they'll use in higher quality productions, often they'll use, like, preemies. So they're actually still pretty small. Not, they didn't bother. They did not bother with this baby. I do feel like their budget went up, though, because the fake treaty looked pretty good. Like, the, like the artwork on the fake treaty, I was like, all right, yeah, you guys had budget for a prop <laughs> Um, let's talk Way about- to go, Christmas Prince. They're moving up in the world. Although I'm deeply terrified. Like, please let this be the last one. Because I was like, and here I thought movie two was so bad and movie three was somehow worse. Like, way worse. Well, we veered into cursed territory. Yes, we were like, oh, who knew that there was magic in this universe? I did not until this moment. I mean, I should have expected it. Like, why would I expect anything, like, less from the or more from A Christmas Prince? But the fact that, like, at this point... After two and a half movies, no mention of magic, like nothing. Like we know they all love the Christmas cult, but like nothing about magic or anything. And suddenly, Rose McIver, who previously is like, you know, like a more or less like supposed to be like a level-headed journalist, is suddenly like, I could believe in curses. 
Yep, I feel like they overdo. It's somewhat realistic that she's a little bit less out and about now that she's the queen and pregnant. But she also just like, she's like, I'm still a journalist, but she doesn't seem to feel a journalistic need to question the curse. Yeah. Or <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's something we should question. She just seems much more wilting than she has been in the past. And to be fair, in the past, I thought she was a bit too vigorous, perhaps, for the life she's now chosen. <laughs> but now... Maybe it's the outfit. But also, like, meanwhile, she's still like, and our child should ride the subway. I was like, oh my god. Um, Ellery? I don't know. Is it a real name? Is it not a real name? I don't know. But what was weird was like, I was like, did we know that her mother was named we didn't. Ellery? We didn't. That's okay. why I had predicted that it would be named after Richard's father, because we didn't know Amber's mother's name. Yes. Although, as soon as they mentioned, like, early on that they had changed the inheritance laws of Aldovia so that girls could inherit, I was like, oh, they're probably gonna have a girl. Oh, yes, you are wise. Not wise enough that I did not foresee that Richard would jump on his horse, but... <laughs> it's okay. Between us, we got this. Um, best and worst? Gosh. Okay, I had a favorite line, which was Mrs. Averill, the uptight housekeeper, saying, I have my carefree moments. I had one on Sunday. Yes, I did make note of that one. I think Emily said something early on uh, that was salty that I perhaps enjoyed and but completely forgot about. Um, I liked when the queen was like, I've been saying we should update the security protocols ever since, you know, basically like Amber broke into the palace. Yep, I did enjoy that. I kind of enjoyed Simon rehearsing to like talk to his girlfriend, but I was like, he was funny. It was kind of cute, but I literally was like, does he actually love her? Cause it's hard to tell with his bad acting. Like, cause at that time I still didn't know, like, is he a villain? Is he pretending? Is it, you know, who knows? Worst, well, basically the whole movie, but my maybe top worst line was there's always time to make history, which is when they were going to sign the treaty. Yes. At like, while Amber is, by the way, in labor. And also it's like three minutes to Christmas. She seemed remarkably calm. That was very odd. She had a pretty, a remarkably easy labor. Yeah. Um, it made me laugh kind of when Richard was on the phone and the doctor was like, she's been overdoing it. And Richard literally turns to Rose McIver and goes, yes, that's what I thought. You've overdone it. (laughs) Um, and also I was like, I don't know how to feel about this over the top joke where the kings are like holding the crib instructions and it's literally like a dictionary. Yeah, that was like a really cheap joke. And then they put the crib together, but of course they've done something wrong. And the king is like, we'll build like we leave by instinct. And I was like, oh my god, just let me die. Although let me die was how I felt for most of this film. I think I felt that most acutely during baby prom, okay, her baby shower. Oh, I blocked that out. I blocked yes. that out. Yes, did you forget about that? So Rose McIver is supposed to ha- be having like a fancy baby shower, but then they get snowed in. And so no one can come except, you know, the six people who are paid adequately for this film. <laughs> and they all are invited to her baby shower. And for some reason, she's like, I guess I will invite the Panglian Royals. And I was like, were you going to have a baby shower and just ignore these like two people who are like stuck in your castle with you? But okay. Who came for a state visit, by the way. Like, why are they not being treated with more respect in this situation? Anyway, so they come to her baby shower. She receives the world's tackiest onesie from the best friend from New York. 
that what did you do you remember the one that just says like I heart NY that basically she picked up at an airport gift shop? Yes, and that they couldn't clearly couldn't afford the actual I heart NY logo. Yes, and Rose MacGyver is like, OMG, this is so cute. And I was like, surely not. It's a white onesie that just has this text. I mean, sure, okay, it must be hard to get your friend a present when she's now the queen of a small European country, but come on. I don't know, they don't seem to have a lot in this country. Certainly there are no workers. If you suddenly went off to, I don't know, Moldovia or whatever, <laughs> and <laughs> and married the prince, I could not afford, like, fancy, like, candlesticks or anything, but surely I could get you something decent for your baby. Yes. But I feel I feel like babies are so easy to buy for compared to adults. There's there's like an endless variety of adorable tiny things. Anyway, so I don't know what's wrong with her friend. Um, what would you score this film? Gosh, that's hard. Um, I would maybe give this a three. I I so like the other Christmas Prince films. I think I enjoyed this more than two actually, even though the plot became even more nonsensical. Um, like, two I literally fell asleep during with that stupid Princess Emily subplot. My feeling, though, is that these movies are kind of enjoyable in a hideous way the first time. Yes. And that if I had to watch this again, I would throw myself from a window. (laughs) I mean, I hope we will never have to watch this again. I keep thinking, though, because I've recently just read, like, all the Shopaholic books um like like read like a bunch of them for the first time and like reread like the first five and I was like you know if those can keep going I kind of think a Christmas Prince could find a way it's very upsetting a very upsetting prospect I think I maybe would have given this like a two so maybe we can say like two and a half sure I think two and a half royal babies two and a half mellow flute instrumentals two and a half penguins um, maybe I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write down any ideas. I forgot about this part of the podcast. It's fine. You know who I actually kind of liked in this pot in this movie? Who? The queen of, of Panglia. Oh, well, she had some skills. She had some marketable skills. If she's deposed, she's going to make a great midwife. I know. But she also had like that cool ice queen situation going on. I was like, yes, I'm about this. You also dress better than Amber. Yes, the penguins were okay actors. Even though the king was not a looker. Oh, he's fine. (laughs) You're mean. Um, anyway. Oh, we should tell listeners what's coming up. Oh, yes. So this is our last holiday themed uh, film for this festive season. Uh, but after this, we, we put out a poll on social media and like a whole eight people voted. So that was like a great rousing success. And I think nine, maybe nine, maybe nine oh, people. I'm very excited to, uh, to announce that we will be watching two weeks notice for the next podcast. Sorry to specifically my wife who voted for She's All That. It was only narrowly edged out by one vote. Yeah. So suck on that. That's very brutal. of you. <laughs> I I have the utmost respect for all our listeners, especially my wife. And on that note, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, 
Facebook. We don't post on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> this is going really well today. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.